Good evening. I'm Richard Lofman. I'm the CEO of Rex Minerals. Uh, we're an Australian ASX-listed company with an exciting copper build going on in South Australia, significant project, and a very exciting gold project emerging in Nevada, USA. So what happening at Rex? And I'm looking forward to telling you the story, Matthew. Richard, lovely to meet you. Thank you very much. We, we, we've, we've had a go previously at trying to get you on. We're, we're trying to coordinate our diaries, but we've done it. We're about to hear whether you're sexy Rexy or not. So <laughs> we've not spoken or, or, or met before, so we should probably you know dive into the story proper. Um, let's start with you, though. So what's, what's your background? In fact, uh, you've also re renewed the team, the board, so maybe tell us a little bit about them as well. Sure, that's pretty significant. So, look, I'm a mining engineer, uh, spent a lot of time in the gold fields, gold, nickel and copper. Um, and that's what I've done. Been 20 years now in the uh, listed space. So I had a gold project, built a mine underground in uh, a gold mine in Ballarat in, in Victoria. Had a very big copper project with Glen Strata in the Philippines for quite a few years. Um, seeded Rex quite a while ago as just as an explorer, and we were very successful in discovering first in South Australia and now Nevada. We've repopulated the board in the last 12 months. We've, uh, we've moved to now a, an operating and construction board. Uh, we brought in Ian Smith as our chairman. He's the ex-CEO of Newcrest, uh, very well regarded and known in the industry as a can-do sort of guy um, out of Rio Tinto and Western Mining, actually ran Olympic Dam in South Australia. We also have Greg Robinson, ex-BHP, ex Rent Lynch, also ex-CFO and CEO of Newcrest. Got a bit of a theme there. Some of the Newcrest superstars that built the company to what it's become. Um, <clears throat> you know what they're doing? We put on a brand new director based in South Australia. He starts 1 December called Andrew Seaton. He's currently the CEO of Naval, the submarine outfit down here. But he's a proud South Australian, having served about eight or nine years as CFO at um, Santos. And we have Ron Douglas on board, who's sort of like a 2IC at Osenko. But uh, Ron's been involved in about five or six of the main copper builds in the world in the last three or four years, including the Carapatina project in South Australia. So he brings a lot to the table. Um, and he's recently stepped down as a non-exec and become an executive director. We also have our CFO on the board as an executive director of finance also, Amber Rivermonti, who's been in the public space for over 20 years now. So, okay. so we've got a really good front bench. You, you do, you do. Two things interest me. One, you say you, see, you seeded the company originally. So is that money that you've gone and raised to seed, the, seed it or have you guys actually put your hands in your pockets and... Uh, seeded it that way? Yeah, two of us actually put our hands in our pockets and that's how we seeded it. And then we IPO'd it when we pulled together an asset base. We traded into the licences in South Australia through also an ex-Western mining geologist because this is part of that Eastern Gawler Crater thematic that began with the discovery of Olympic Dam. It was followed up with Prominent Hill, moved now to Carapatina and we're at the southern tip of that eastern limb. So there's a, there's a theme running through our, our company of ex-Western mining people who, who grew up in Totally. This. So you've you got, you, okay, you, courage of your conviction, you've seeded it. I mean, how much money are we talking about here? Oh, listen, I've put at least a brick into the company by now, so. What's that mean? Sorry. 
Oh, sorry. <laughs> about a million. About a million. Okay. So, yeah, so meaningful. Yeah. Okay, fine. And, yeah. and and tell me about the team. Obviously, Ian, Greg, Ron, Amber, etc. Who's active? Who's just a nameplate? We don't have a nameplate any. We don't have any nameplates. And look, we've been a small company. We're not paying ourselves big salaries. We've been um, doing the job, getting it moving, getting it done. Uh, and everyone's had to pitch in the whole journey, really. The difference is the previous board, they'd been there as part of the transition and the approvals and everything that we've had to achieve. Now this board is fit for purpose to fund and build a big project. Right. We've got a team here who've got the experience of building and you are going to build. It's not yeah. just talk. You're not just trying to get competitive tension. You're going to build it. Okay, yeah. cool. So let, let's talk about the project. And quite often mining is about timing, right? Yes. You timed your raise in the middle of the year rather well, didn't you? You got a good reaction, 50 million bucks. Yeah. Price was right. It's come off a bit since, but uh, tell us about that process. Yeah. What, what, we, what, did, so, what did people buy into? Well, we were very clear. We, this is part of pre-development. So these dollars are not going into the sexy bits and pieces like, oh, we're not, you know, yes, we're doing some fantastic drilling. We've got more drilling in Nevada, but I don't think that's what's driven this investment group. So we've moved the company in 18 months from about 5% or less institutional shareholders to nearly 25% institutional now. So we've had to change that. That was part of this raise is to get some people set for sure. And just state the obvious, but why did you feel that was necessary? Well, you know, we're going, to, you know, this is not play money. Um, at 600 million Aussie all day, every day. Um, and, uh, um, so we obviously need some players with pockets. We also need some players with development conviction in a copper thematic, right? And, uh, and those people also change the paradigm for us. So off the back of this, we're starting to get research, right? Obviously, big investors, um, they want to see the companies researching us and that's starting to come along. So we've only raised the money about nine weeks ago. So things are you know, they're moving very quickly for us. But for sure, that was very positive. And it's letting us get on with business. And there's a lot of pre-development on a project like this. There is. And I'm kind of intrigued by this because quite often we are speaking to companies pre the, the stage that you're at now. Not It's kind of rarefied out in, in the sense that you've got a stack of money to get this thing into production and you've got to go about doing it. So, um and, in, and if I look at your share price, it's it's kind of come off. People don't seem that interested, but you're actually doing all the heavy lifting at this point, aren't you? That's right. So it's not sexy. Um, and we're not marketing. We can't get out the door. And in fact, you know, our larger shareholders have said, we want to get on the ground. We'd like to see the project, right? And there have been people who have put their hand up. They'd like to invest, but they'd also like to step foot on the ground, see the project. You know, if you take a big position in something, generally someone would like to say I've been there, but at least know what's going on. So we've got to tick that box yet. Um, look, what I think it was is, you know, the Australian market is relatively small. Most people know that. And it hasn't had appetite to back investment and development projects in mining space for a long time. So we've entirely invested in this round in, inside Australia. So we haven't tapped the UK, US markets at all. And so we got that support very quickly, done locally. We had Euros and Macquarie working on it with us. We put the money together quickly and people were really prepared to support us. And in actual fact, bar one insto, everyone who came in in the raising is still there and has built their position slightly. 
So that's really positive too. It is. Okay, so um, so I guess I enable this conversation and move forward. Can you just give us a kind of top line, meaningful numbers with regards to Hillside? Because I want to sort of dig into it a little bit if I may. So, Sure. Well, look, we discovered 2010. By 2015, we had a reserve statement and a feasibility study um, for a half million tonne reserve on a two million tonne copper tonne resource. So 1.4 million ounces, 2 million copper tonnes. We discovered this is a junior from surface. It's pretty much from five metres below surface. Um, and, uh, and so we're mining it at 6 million tonne per annum, which will produce about 35,000 copper tonnes, about 25,000 ounces per annum for the first 13 years, what we call stage one. That's what we went to market with as a final feasibility. Remember, half a million tonne off two million. Recently, we upgraded the reserve to one million tonne, right? Below that, we don't have a lot of density of drilling, but we've got another million tonne of copper sitting there, and you can see some outstanding results. We've got, you know, we've got thicknesses from 50 to 90 metres. We've got grades from 0.7 up to nearly 3% copper at depth, but just not a lot of drill holes. There will be time because that one million ton reserve could extend to a 30-year mine life. So that's a starter pack that we have. We have an initial 13-year mine life. We just cut that back and we go to the second stage. Uh, that's fantastic deposit. And we haven't drilled below 700 metres. Most of the deposits in the east, you know, eastern limb of the Gawler, like Olympic Dam and Carapatina, they don't start until 500 metres below surface because they have a lot of cover. We don't have very much cover on the York Peninsula, so it's a big advantage. And we've got a lot of infrastructure coming to our door, highways, the Port Adelaide around the corner. We don't have to build train sets. We don't have to build highways. We don't have to be, build power lines and water lines. We're extending a water line. We're extending a power line to our site, but effectively all the infrastructure is there. Okay, so this this kind of stage one, stage two approach in I'm trying, to, I'm trying to work out what, what the market understands. You said we don't market much. We have not marketed much. We've not you know, taken people to site and so forth. And that's now in, in the public arena. That's such a big part of this. And I get the move from, you know, retail to institutional, but it's still 75%. Well, sorry, it's 25% institutional. I, I, what is the retail holding? Because I don't know what management has. Rest. It's the rest. Well, how much does management have? Management's got about 10% all up. So so you're still heavily retail focused and you need them to kind of drive the liquidity component here. So, um, and that's where I want to get at. You're talking a big game there. You know, which, which, yeah. which is great, right? It's, it's a big operation. You know what you're doing. You've got the A team on board to help you do it because they've been there and done it before. But a big part of this is you are going to have to up your game with regards to the marketing. Um, and you are going to have to tell the story and you are going to have to explain stage one, stage two, how the money flows, what you're doing with it, where the exciting bits are, um, you know, and how do you actually kind of insert yourself into the, you know, the, into the marketplace in terms of, you know, sales, et cetera. So what are you going to do? How do you approach that? Look, um, and that's a very good point. My board are chewing at me at the moment on that very issue. So uh, to me, it sounds kind of glib to say market, right? Um, certainly, I need to get on a plane and get in front of people. That's a given. Uh, but we also have news flow. So, and and some exciting news flow for the project. So, yeah, okay. Yeah, extending the power line, moving the roads. That's not all that exciting, but it is movement at the station. 
right? It's building a presence in South Australia as we get ready, as we move towards appointing APC contractors and honing in on the mining solution. Are we owner operating? Are we contracting? That will finally define the ultimate capital number that we're going to have to fork out. We've already gone. We've already opened a data room to banks and we've invited a group of interested banks to the party. So we're going through a process now to put the banking financing together. So we know, you know, let's face it, When uh, if I were speaking to you 12 months ago, we would have struggled to get 40%, let's say, from banks in the copper space, 40% debt. Today, they're clamouring around 50 to 70. We've never, you know, we haven't given away any concentrate. We don't know that we have to. We've got a clean concentrate, so it's kind of exciting. We've also, we've not just highlighted the million uh, tonne reserve, which is just a cutback, stage two, right? But what we've also done is some test work on a thing called coarse grind. Now, this is really interesting, right? This is throwing up the opportunity that we could increase the throughput through the plant that we're constructing from six to eight million tonne. And we don't have to put a lot of investment into that. And we don't have to do that until about year two of operation. So that's a nice to have an addition. On top of that, before, of course, one of the first things we'll do is put a few deeper drill holes in because this thing could turn into anything below 700 metres and it can grow substantially down to 700 metres just on the evidence of the drill holes. It's only dearth of drilling that's constraining the resource on strike, on depth, right? So a lot of upside without even starting on our license area. That's in South Australia. But think of that, how many copper companies that you know that are 100% owned have given nothing away to anybody in the go bay now, fully permitted, ready to begin production, going into the financing, not mucking around, right? This is like you say, this is not a game of watch the hand, watch the hand, something else is going on. And uh, on top of that, we've had this huge success in Nevada so quickly with the whole ranch project. Yeah, no, I, I, I want to get to that, Rich. I do want to get to that because I, I was aware of it before you guys picked it up. And um, let's stick with the copper here because it, I, I'm trying to piece together, piece it together because you guys, you CEOs generally, when the camera stops rolling, you you can very quickly go, look, here are the five things that are really, really important, you know, A, you know, A, A B, C, D, et cetera. And you go, oh, okay, that, that's fine. Yeah, you know what's important. And I just wonder how you as a company lay out what are the five things that are going to change this 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 um, company meaningful because I'm, I'm 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 looking at the market cap today i'm looking obviously share prices come off etc cetera, etc cetera. um you know and how companies like you sometimes have to go and take unconventional money money you know alternative financing i get where you're at today but is there anything in terms of what you need to do whether it be the you know course particle flotation stuff or the you know the expansion drilling or the uh whatever whatever else that you've got lined up which is going to cause you to have to go and take more expensive money, i.e., and, and dilutory money at, at, at that. Or, you know, what are the things that are going to mean that I can go from fifty to sixty percent to seventy percent debt? Because that's kind of, you know, maybe that maybe that's the goal. H- how do you manage all these small pieces to ensure that you know your shareholders are happy, you're happy, and you get the money that you need when you need it? Sure. So. Let me be really clear, having nice upside opportunities is fantastic and that's fruit 
for, for shareholders coming in. Yep, this is not a one-trick pony 13-year mine life. This could be 30-plus years, but that's what we're going to build. We're building the team to go, right, you go ahead, you build that. This is what we're delivering. We're delivering 35,000 tonne on time, on budget. That's it. Over here, absolutely. Opportunity to expand that production. It's not like, oh, that's it forever, right? No, you can definitely expand it. It's built in. Yes, we can double the reserve again, built in, right? So that's all comes later out of cash flow. We've got to get into production. That's our absolute focus. Brilliant. Okay, so that that's it. Step in the kind of Aussie model of get into production quickly, make sure that there's money money being produced and it's reducing the dilutory effects going, going forward. Okay, fine. I guess we'll see how that plays out. So in, ter- in terms of where you're at now, with the, with the money that you've got now, what are you going to be able to, what are we looking for next? What's the big moment? Okay, so we're in the market at the moment for an EPCM contract as well. We're getting uh, pricing for EPS supplied to us. We should get that at the end of this month. So we're trying to build in the capability now with an engineering firm to complete that box and say, here are the drawings we are ready to construct. Here's the price list. It's all sorted. We know what we're building. We know the schedule we're building it in. We know the delivery capability. Done. This is going to pop out the other end at $1.38, C1 a pound. Um, That's what we're doing today, right? That's what needs to happen. And when people see this start to happen, I think there's general hesitation in the market. Will this really happen? Right? Are they really going to be it? Right? And well, shit, they've just appointed ABC. Gee, now they're, that's the mining sorted. Oh, they have actually got a banking syndicate, and it's not 22 banks from, you know, yeah, it's, it's one or two, but we're not restricted to that because we've got venture capital opportunities, right? So I've been, you know, some of our guys have been involved in the 29 Metals deal as well. So we've, we've seen how to put that together. So there's a number of ways we can go on the financing. We're not restricted to that. But we're not going to weird lenders a last resort at the moment, not at all, okay? So we're going in at the front end. We're looking for the best rates because well, you know, we're offering a good deal. You want to worry, you know, everyone wants to tick the ESG box now. Well, you tick that by investing in copper in South Australia. Job's done. Move on. Right, that's a it's an easy win. So I think it's a you know it's a good product that we're offering. We never ever marketed this as the second coming, right? And we always said, look at it at three dollars. IRR is sixteen, right? And we always said we think copper projects need about three fifty to get off the ground, right? IRR starting to shape up at twenty four twenty five, right? Now we're at four fifty. Well, you know IRR is through the roof. That's awesome, but. Copper can still go back to three bucks. So you should, we need to be aware and everyone else needs to be aware that we can wash our face comfortably. We've got an all-in cost of about, a, let's say, $1.61 at the moment, right? An all-in cost. So not a C1, an all-in cost. So copper can go back a fair way once we're in production and we're gonna, we're gonna, we'll, we'll be in the bottom half of the cost curve. But we're not down the bottom. But we're in the bottom half. But for, and that's for stage one you're talking about, not the stage two 30-plus year life yeah, of mine. Yeah. Right. Okay, okay good. That, 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 that's, that's interesting because, again, when I, when I talk to companies, they are, of course, like, oh, we're well, only using $3.15 copper. I'm like, well, that's great. But if you look at the three-year average, it, it, that's not so great. 
Do you know what I mean? So it's, it's just, it, okay, I like, I like where you're coming from. Okay, let's, let's go over to Trotto because I don't want to take too much of your time, but uh, let's trot over to Hog, Hog Ranch. Obviously, different jurisdiction, different commodities, you're de-risking. De why, why do it? Why go for that deal? Oh, the mighty hog. The mighty um, hog. Look, it was a great opportunity, I thought, at the time. Uh, I actually employed the general manager who used to run it to help me build a heap leach in Western Australia back in 98, 99 for Western Mining, a gold heat leach. And you won't believe the trouble I went to to convince regulators in Australia and the board of Western Mining to allow me to build a heat leach because Australians generally don't get their head around heat leaching, right? It's not what we do here. It doesn't work all over the place, but it's just not something that they do in Australia. So I actually bought the general manager from Hog Ranch who taught me what I know about heat leaching in Nevada to Australia to make sure we laid the pad properly because no one in Australia knows how to do it, right? So that's when I became aware of Hog Ranch. Years later, serendipity, and uh, our GOs wanted to peg something, right? And they wanted to peg the old Hog Ranch licences in Nevada. To be honest, I was only expecting an extension below the pits because Western Mining had about three or four very tiny pits at a million tonne per annum project. They owned it for four years and they didn't close Hog, they got out of North America. They totally got out of North America and Hog was one of the casualties. I did not expect what we found when we uploaded the drill hole database from the old Westerns days. Two and a half thousand drill holes, right? So we had no ounces at the moment, two and a half thousand drill holes, and, and I'm expecting two or 300,000 ounces. And the geos walk in and say, Jesus, Rich, the footprint here is huge. So what do you mean? It's huge. But in the day, at $300 to $400 an ounce, and Western Mining drilling for one million tonne per annum mill to feed it, they had no licence to go and put big resources around things and look for a super pit. They were just trying to wash their face on a little acquisition they had made in Nevada. So very quickly, we put a resource to it. In 18 months, we grew that resource from nothing to 2.2 million ounces. We've already got historical recoveries. We, we did a few contests just to confirm. You know, we got like 60% recovery in five days and 80% or 84% recovery in 22 days. So, and that's at one and a half inch crush size. So we did a very quick study because at that stage, we thought what we had was what we bought, right? These, these, these little pits and the licenses around that. But our thinking very quickly changed as we started to try and learn about the geology. And not a lot of geology was done in the day. Some was done very, very well around the pits. So we bought the old geologist who used to run those pits from Western Mining back in and learnt what we could from him. He'd done all the mapping and he'd done a lot of very good geological interpretation. So we used that and we leveraged from it. There'd never been a mag survey. We did a mag survey. Hyperspectral is a new thing. We did hyperspectral. We realised the geochem in the day was just, well, how does this doesn't work? That's nothing like it if we redo it. And all of a sudden we redo some geochem and it's going, shit, look at that. that, that those drill holes, this is glowing at us. So now all of a sudden we've, we've quadrupled the licence area over there because it is such an exciting caldera of such opportunity. 
Right. So you've had a, but you've had a since what end of 2019. You've not been throwing a lot of cash at it. It's it's sort of moving forward. You're increasing the resource to whatever it's two point two. I think you said of all all categories for it to be. Well, what's the what's the intention there? Because you know, it's sitting at you know just over half a million answers, nearly you know six hundred thousand answers of indicated. No real value is attributed to that generally by the market. Oh, we need your million answers, or these days two million answers for it to be considered valuable in that context. So, given what you're doing in Australia, Hillside, how do you approach this? How much money are you going to throw at this? How much time have you got enough uh, team? To, you know, look at right. This. So um, we have a director looking out for us in the US, um, Cherie Leiden, good exploration geologist, um, out of her day out of Rio Tinto, quite entrepreneurial. We've brought some fantastic guys, ex-Newmont geos to the table. We've got a great chief geologist who's with the Brains Trust for acquiring this, and he's been building the model. So we've been building a really good team. But the first thing we did is bring in a bunch of people that don't hail from Nevada. And they have blown the shutters open for us, right? It's like, gee, look at this. Ooh. And everyone's going like, gee, didn't expect to see this. So if you ask me what we were doing, we were very focused on how quickly can we turn these into some producing heap leaches. And that's why we very quickly jumped on a scoping study. But now I think it's looking like this is an order of magnitude larger. It's not let's see if we can get two to four million ounces. Let's see if we can show if this is a 10 or a 20 million ounce field. And it's got all of those opportunities written on it. Remember, I used to run the gold business for Western, so I've seen what a big gold field looks like. And I'm not a geologist. I'm not pretending. But but what, what, what does it look like? I mean, you, you've got to use cutoff grazing. You've got to give people a sense of you know what, what's there. And obviously, at some point, works with some sort of economics. So big doesn't necessarily always mean profitable. So what are, what are you seeing? No. So... We've now got a million, a million of those ounces at 0.65 grams, right? We ran a study at 0.5 grams because the strip ratio is very low. It's 0.5 to 1, 0.5, less than 1 to 1. Um, at 0.5 grams, all day, every day, all in costs, all up is less than $10. And that's not even particularly economy of scale or competitive with that Nevada, North American scene. When you look over the fence at Liberty Gold or you look over the fence at Marigold or, you know, you look over the fence at some of these other projects, well, just bringing power in and we can almost take out 50 bucks an ounce. So, so you can see straight away we crushed one and a half inches, crushed screen agglomerate stack. All of our drilling all of that historical drilling, 80% of it is less than 75 metres from surface. It's very shallow oxide project. However, I'll put this to you. That's exciting. Now, we could go, let's put aside $10 an ounce, say, right, and we'll let's convert another 2 million ounces so everyone goes, wow, we got four. But what if over here we discover a whole new geological or, or body type that has a potential to be another three or four million ounces. So we went there on a model, on a model. We put in four holes. One hit something at the end, not much. Three came out winners, right? So what does that from mean? Surf- what's, what's a winner look like? So, we, well, we've got three winners. So 111 metres at uh, 0.8 from surface, 
right? We've also got another intersection into a brand new area. Only our geological targeting geophysics is not like we're going to an old area. Uh, 56 metres at 2.2. And we've got 114 metres at 0.63. All above, right, what you need to make money. At about 0.45 over there, you can make a lot of money. But this is another deposit type. But we also have some holes in the area where we're operating, where we've put our original pit design. So all of this is post our last resource. Well, we hit from surface, uh, often 13 metres, say, 90 metres at 1.23, 50 metres at 1.35. From, from zero, 210 metres at 0.66, 210 metres, that's nearly a quarter of a kilometre thick. And remember, the old drill holes pretty much are around 50 metres drilled vertically. So the opportunity here is pretty exciting. It is exciting. You're excited. and the, But there's a, there's a bit of what if and there's a bit of it, this could be monstrous. But if I look at the strain that you're going to put your company under back in Australia in terms of the money that you're raising, the, the focus that you're going to have to give to the copper project, because that thematic is obviously hot at the moment, um, you're painting the picture at Ranch of something which could be of, of, of huge scale. So I'm interested in like, how do you go about managing that financial environment to bring Hog Ranch through? In my, you've got to do a ton more drilling. You're going to need to finance that. That's not big bucks, but at some point you are going to have to raise more and more meaningful money. So what, what, what's the timing in relation to Oz versus Australia? Uh, emphasis of where you allocate your team, resource and energies, et cetera. And then what do you do with Hog Ranch if it is as big as you think it is? So, and this is the exciting, this is the possibilities of the future. So we have a drill rig there right now. Uh, that should finish its program before the end of the year. You know, it's only 13 or 14 holes, but it's three target areas. Once again, all risk, risk on. Let's go drill here, let's go. These are meaningful holes. That will tell us a lot about what we want to do next and we can put another program together. It's already budgeted in our expenditure early next year after February, right? So there is a period where getting on site is just expensive because of the snow. Um, so there's quite a bit of news flow without a lot of expenditure between the end of this year and early next year to allow us to decide, is this shaping into, can we point to a five million ounce or are we looking at much larger? Then obviously there's some decisions. Do we monetize it? Do we bring in a joint venture partner to help pay for the exploration? Of course, all those conventional avenues. Um, I'm not afraid of any of those. We're not wedded to it, but we have a, a board that are used to running a copper and gold business. And I actually think if you're a gold producer or an iron ore producer or a coal producer today, you need to be looking at a few different uh, scenarios. So, okay. So, Richard, look in markets like this, you know, where the, where the markets are strong and powerful, everyone's a genius, right? Investors think that they can do no wrong and that, that they're always going to back winners, right? And same with management teams, same with bankers. We we splosh the cash out when times are good, and management teams get very very excited about the potential of what they can can do. You know, gold two thousand, three thousand, wherever you sit in that equation. Obviously, copper thematic is fantastic. Supply demand fundamentals on a utility basis are, you know, suggest that, that it's only ever going to go up, but that's not the real world. So. Yeah, right. So you've got to say, hey, um, we are clearly focused on our copper project. We believe that we've got the team to deliver that. And whatever your board uh, has done in the past, at your market cap, at your ability to raise capital, 
you know, Hog Ranch could become a, a stretch and possibly a liability as a result. You know, you never know. Um, so you, what, what are you more inclined to do with that? Given that you guys are sitting in Oz, that's in the US. I get the de-risking component, but would a strategic partner make more sense? Oh, could make a great deal of sense. And we have been approached on that basis, right? And um, we could also spin it out. Although I would favour if we did that into a North American listing, cutting it free entirely, because that makes a lot of sense if we went that route. But it might just be more expedient for us, right, to, to focus on bringing a partner or just completely selling it. The thing is, you know, I kind of think there's more value in a listed entity at the moment, right? It's like... Um, you know, if you compare it to a competitor, right? Pick Liberty, two million ounces, two million ounces. Grade, grade, production rates, we could achieve the same. It's like, well, I'm not pretending that we are Liberty. We're not there in that space. But, gee, if we're half a Liberty, this is worth a lot of money. Yeah, no, and I expect to Liberty when they, you know, we're nowhere near where they are today and they, they, they had to come out of Turkey and, you know, lots, lots of water under the bridge there. But, yeah, there, there are some obvious candidates who might like what you could prove up with not too much money. That'd be really interesting. But, look, let's leave that to the point where you need to make that decision or you have made the decision, see how clever you are. Um, can I come back to the um, the kind of funding bit with regards to, in the context of ESG? Because, obviously, not only is the green thematic, the battery metal thematic, the copper thematic big, but so is the ESG uh, narrative. You know, we've just come off of COP26 as well, which kind of which kind of helps um, as well. But do you think, because it's copper, I think you alluded to it, that you can raise cheaper money? Is the money cheaper or are there more players because it's copper and feeding into those thematics? That's a really interesting point. So I'm going to see shortly because I've actually challenged some of the banks. You're telling me, oh, yeah, well, I'll give you, okay? If you want to back us, yeah, you don't have to, well, you're not going to control pricing, but you certainly can talk the deal with us. And I'm happy to deliver more in that vein if you would like. So what would you like? See, we already, it's okay, it's copper, that's great. Um, it's the chicken comes first. Don't worry, the chicken comes first. One uh, tonne of copper. Well, the, the EU have just published on the back of GOP26 that um, copper is going to be responsible for 25% of their total CO2 reduction, right? That, so it's just straightforward. So, yeah, great thing. Um, away we go. Uh, we already have 60% renewable power in South Australia that we're drawing from, and we're drawing from the grid. We don't have to build a power station, solar or otherwise. It'll be 70% renewable by the time we begin construction. So we already are feeding off a renewable. But if you really care about this stuff, you care about are you clearing forests? Are you operating in a high rainfall area upstream of villages, things like this? I mean, there's more to E than carbon. Uh, do you have to put down roads and build townships and airports and ports? No, 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 no. So leveraging installed infrastructure is the biggest saving you can gift the planet, right, is not to have to build a whole bunch of new stuff. It's just specific. So tick, 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 tick. Now, our starting point is awesome. Now let's talk about the remainder. The fact that one tonne of ours, one tonne of copper, and I don't have to get some complicated blockchain to prove 
It wasn't built with child labour or mined with child labour, right? It's come out of South Australia. Come on, guys, right? This is straightforward. This is an easy bet. But one tonne of that copper, people don't focus on this. When you look at what it's going to save in CO2, it's going to save between 107,000 tonnes of CO2. So it's already, we should, right? Let's be real. Compare it to any other extraction, right? It's already such a significant contributor. People should be buying credits off us. So it's a great starting point, but I think ESG should be reserved for much more than just carbon credits. We're on farmland with 30 centimetres of rainfall, foot of rainfall a year. Flat farmland that was cleared 100 years ago, so there's no rainforest. There's no endangered species. Um, so the land's been worked for a long time as farmland, broadacre farmland. Not much rainfall. So what's, what do you worry about with copper mine? Acid mine drainage. No acid mine drainage here. Any acid-producing material that comes out of the ground is encapsulated 10 to 1 with acid-neutralising material. Then you don't have much rainfall. You've got no seismic activity. And if anything came onto site or was produced on site, it can't flow off site because the natural sump for the whole project area is the hole in the ground, the pit. And that's before we contemplate what that pit could be used for at the end of the life. Now, this is 1K from the ocean. Big granite, right? It's not like the ocean's going to come rushing in, but it's 1K away. And we're going to have a minimum of, say, a 500-metre drop. That could turn into one of the biggest almighty pumped hydro schemes on the whole east coast of Australia, part of a future, you know, battery network. So there's a lot of boxes to check here that are awesome for an investor if they really care, right, if they really are interested. Well, there's the big thing, right? We always have this debate, and I think I get more off camera from, from you CEOs than I do yeah. on camera sometimes because, you know, say, look, at the end of the day, if I don't make profit, if I don't optimise a profit, I'm going to lose my yeah. job. That's the truth. So people, shareholders big and small, say ESG, green, all of these wonderful phrases, oh, yeah, definitely. But at the end of the day, if, I don't, if I'm not making money, I lose my job. That's what the actual concern is. So I'm sort of yeah. intrigued about this kind of balance between doing things entirely the right way and you're still a commercial business. You need to make money. You need to drive the share price up. So I, I, get, I get the delicate balance. But think, can, I, can I come back to something that you said with regards to the carbon credit bits? People should be buying carbon credits off us because we're that green. We've seen in uh, nickel, Right, the especially kind of the, the sulfide deposits, these large, low-grade sulfide deposits, that they are sequestering carbon dioxide uh, from the air or from from rainwater, and they are able to scientifically prove that they are doing this, so that they can not only make their own projects, you know, net zero carbon projects, but they're going to also sell uh, um, carbon credits to other other companies. Is there the equivalent in copper? I know you suggest that people should, but is there innovation in your space which allows you to do that or could allow you to do that? Look, not what you're specifically talking about, not at our project, right? There is innovation. The coarse grind uses a lot less energy and a lot less water and changes the whole tailing scenario. So it's a tick, 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 fantastic. Um, probably as far as we're concerned, if you look at a conventional metric, so people think about CO2 in very simple block terms, right? It's quite clunky. So yeah, do you produce a tonne, do you plant a tree to offset it? There's that type of 
rationale. Well, we've got quite a substantial reforestation program of parts of our mine site as we go, right? But we're not crowing about all this stuff because it's just part of what we do on that uh, continuous rehabilitation as we construct. You right? should crow about it. Do you know why you should crow about it? There, there are, there are uh, carbon credit companies out there going to governments and saying, hey, you've got a forest there. We'll take that 100, 100 acre hectares of, of your forest and we'll put a carbon credit against it. So it already existed, right? It was already there. They've done nothing. Yeah. Yeah. Paying, paying the government something and then getting huge multiples of that on, on the stock market. That's real synthetic and I think, quite frankly, a little bit underhand. If you are planting trees, genuinely new trees, then that is something you guys should be talking about, for for instance. And that's why I wonder, you know, is there a kind of collective understanding of what the narrative needs to be, what you need to do and what people will give you credit for and what's real? Well, I think we're, we're learning as we go. So... Um, we've definitely hooked up with some uh, outstanding ESG specialists who are working with us now. And they're going, oh, right, this is a good story, Richard. Yeah, it is a good story. We're not just, by the way, planting trees. We're also paying the government for the privilege because the timing of our planting doesn't suit, right? It's called an ESB credit offset in Australia. So we're, we're paying twice. That's awesome. Um, so I think... As, as a company, shareholders can be proud of Rex, right? Rex is sexy for a bunch of reasons when it gets into production. Um, and, uh, and, you know, it's a very regulated project too. So it's not just like a lot of what we're able to do is a function of where we are and the deposit that we have, and it's the, the location, right? So, you know, it's, if it was a 2% deposit, Right, instead of a 0.6, it'd be awesome. If the strip ratio, it'd be even more awesome, right? And you'd make trillions, okay? So it, you know, you have your wins and your losses, but we've got quite a few wins. And um, I think at the end of the day, you know, you've probably got kids, I've got kids, you go home, you know, anyone under 40 is riveted to this, anyone under 20. Right. Well, I think the world's about an iPhone. So, but you know, that's the generation coming through. You have to be able to face those people and be proud of what you're doing. We're in a largely a farming rural area. Um, you know, it's two hours from Adelaide. doesn't sound like a long way, but it's quite a long way. It's a, the, another plenty across. So, you know, those are people of the land. You know, this mine has to operate in a very neat and tidy fashion, and it does. So to me, E is about a lot more than just CO2. There's so much more in it, you know. No, that, no, that absolutely is. Maybe you can come back on one, one day and, and talk it through, or one of your team yeah. can. Uh, also, I'd love to um, have you come back and get, maybe get a little bit technical with the, with the drilling, et cetera. Uh, but look, I think I've taken up enough of your time today. I've got a good sort of a much better understanding of what you're about. I'd love to see more of you as this moves forward. Uh, so I appreciate your time today, uh, Richard, and we'll speak to you again soon. Thanks very much, Matthew. It was good fun. Appreciate it. Cheers.